Come on, Annie. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. <laughs> Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamour and strife, bigger than life. Sitting in the darkness, what a world to see! Let's go to the movies and wait and see. Hey everybody, welcome to The Brick Pit, the podcast you didn't know that you didn't need. I am your host today, Josh, and with me as always are uh, my cohorts, my partners in crime. We have with us the man who is responsible for all the live action Disney films, Adam. Hello. <laughs> and the man that always says yes to George Lucas, Jason. Well, that's because George Lucas has this thing in the industry we call a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no shame in that game, sir. <laughs> Nobody says no to George. <laughs> Today, I want to talk about uh, movies, as always. But in particular, the return to the theater, because uh, the, the landscape has changed here recently, and... I think I was right in some predictions and wrong in some others uh, because, you know, in the post-COVID world, nobody really knew what was happening. And then suddenly there was, there's been a influx of return to the theater. And I kind of want to talk about that, some films that we've seen in the theater this year and some reasons for why we think that that is. Uh, I, I, I don't think this is a flash in a pan. I think that, I think that, you know, certain things occurred to kind of prime the pump, but now that now that we're back in it, I think theaters should be okay. And you know, we may be doing this podcast in a year, and I'll be like, "Hey, remember when I said movie theaters are back?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now yeah, they're I'm- all spirit of Halloween. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yet another time, I was completely wrong about something. <laughs> Boy, there sure are a lot of big empty buildings now. <laughs> So, and that's entirely possible because we are not experts. We are armchair uh, theater and movie aficionados. Uh, we, some of us, have background in film. Uh, we are far from the industry. <laughs> but you know, that gives us all the qualifications that you need on the internet to uh, <laughs> spout your opinion. Uh, <laughs> It's like the the low bar requirements for being president. It's like be alive for <laughs> X amount of years. It's like okay. Same thing for podcasts. Be alive until your thirties and then <laughs> you will get a podcast. That's pretty much right. Yeah. So uh uh first I think I wanna talk about the Barbenheimer meme. That sometimes the the meme like follows through with action. Like a lot of times, like like things will be memed and people will be like, "Oh yeah, let's do that," and then they don't. But but 
Barbenheimer is such a weird thing because people actually did show up and watch both films. And I think the, the numbers uh, reflect, reflect that. that. So, like, I know I had a coworker that he and his son did Barbenheimer, and they dressed like they dressed alike, but like they each were like half dressed like Oppenheimer and half dressed like Ken. Like they created their own outfits to go. They went and watched both movies in a day. That's such a but. Like along with that, I think came like the the ultimate realization or, or re-realization of people that movies are a shared experience and that there it, is. it became yeah. very much an, an event. What I think is going to happen is you're going to see studios try to manufacture that again unsuccessfully and fail miserably. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Like oh, that there's a thing we can do. We can memify this and then let's let's take all the wrong <laughs> lessons from this. Yes, exactly, <laughs> but. I think the other thing that was really interesting about this was that it also, in, even though the studios are going to take all the wrong lessons, it does show that there is a way, a path to go from internet culture to real world stuff mm-hmm. that is both exciting for the consumer and profitable for the producers. I do think that that will happen organically without, like, it won't be so ham handed, but I think there will be other chances of that. Yeah. And I think people will kind of be on the lookout for it now. If if the studios don't screw it up by like forcing it, which right. will ruin it, right? Because if if because the whole thing about memes being cool is as soon as like big business gets in on it, then it's not cool anymore. The hello fellow kids, yeah. you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect. Um, it, well, in in the in the Barbie thing, it was to me it was interesting on several fronts because it was helmed by Critic Wig. Hey, Barbie, can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks Some things have been happening that might be related When my world shakes Cold shower Falling off my roof Ah! And my heels are on the ground (gasps) What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer I am to find. Closer I am to find. I'm coming with you. Okay. Wow, this is the real world. What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else sings along. 
humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Bobby if you still in doubt? You know, I see her as more of an indie director. Like, and and the only thing I've really seen of hers was Lady Bird, but that was that was a fantastic film. It was one of my favorite films of that year. But the uh, it kind of had that take of uh, the the Brady Bunch movies back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also like it really tapped into a, a neglected population. Uh, because like, because like, Barbies are huge. Like, I have two girls, and so we had a ton of Barbies when they were younger. <laughs> like, right. and and Barbie. And then they had to bu- start buying his daughter's Barbies. Right. Then they then they started <laughs> taking them from from my room, and I was like, okay, look, <laughs> they got the knockoff ones. I was like, y'all these bar- Barbies are mine. You they get- got brats. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they did in fact, but let's not talk about that. Um. But but you know it's so like like what was interesting to me about that is that you really tapped into the female nostalgia you know like right. whereas like like Transformers and GI all, Joe yeah. is like all like oh this finally hit like that that demographic like I mean Barbie is is kind of perennial thing that all little girls played with so it's like the property just was ripe and then and it was done well. And it was, yeah, and, yeah. It, it, and it, it wasn't was, done condescendingly. That's the thing. I, I think that's where they really succeed. Right. I, th- I think that there was, there was, there was love involved in it, and it was more. Yeah. I, so, yeah. I was going to go see it, and I was told it was girls' night. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and saw another movie right. in theater that's with my younger. Too. Mm-hmm. Well, Is yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, it, like it you were going to go, yeah, like, nor, like based on the title alone, knowing nothing else. Would you have planned to see that movie? No, I wouldn't have. I would. No, I mean, I well, just, as as soon as Greta well, Gerwig was attached, and then uh, there was the teaser where they kind of where they made uh, it was a satirical take on like the opening of two thousand one. Right. I was like, yeah. oh. As it's soon as I clever. saw that, yeah. I said, "This is going to break a billion dollars. This is going <laughs> to blow people's mind." But what I didn't, I thought that it would be. I didn't see it as going to be such a like uh, a destination kind of right. event phenomena, like because like like lots of like women like had these huge girl nights where they'd all dress up and and get dolled up or whatever mm-hmm. pun intended and go see the movie like with all their friends. Which is like super cool, you know, and they'd pose in the in the little fake Barbie thing and stuff, and then so it's like on top of that, the movie having like some substance and bite to it, like was just like how great. But it, but the whole Barmanheimer thing, like how how strange a juxtaposition, like <laughs> you know that because I do, I honestly I think Barbie would have been fine. I think yeah. Oppenheimer probably. Got more push from it than it would have. Yeah, otherwise. more people. In, I, in, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I mean, there, there was some symbio- symbiosis there, but I do think there were definitely audiences drawn to both who would not have otherwise seen both. Right? I don't right. think like if if 
if my wife and I did a, a double feature night where we saw both of those movies, that would be something to, that we would participate in because of the cultural phenomena of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas we would not have, we would have, we may be in our budget have one movie a month in us now, right? And right. we would have picked one or the other, right? But we're like, oh, well, everybody else is doing a double feature. Let's do it too, like, you know. And I think a lot of fam- a lot of like situations like that occurred where people are like, oh, let's just make this exception where we're going to see two. Sure, and, and I know? think also the the like the the rediscovery of because I mean, like, face mm-hmm. it, like with, with COVID, we everybody became shut ins whether they wanted to or not, and. There's there's already a pull to watch films at home because yeah. it's it's more convenient. I mean, mo- half the time, like if you've got surround sound, a seventy inch TV, Ultra yep. HD, you know, like the so picture talk quality is is fantastic. Okay, so uh, hang on, let me let me take a nap. <laughs> get, get comfortable. This is the that- part where all of the people listening. Can just go do something else. You got to yeah. go to the bathroom. Right. Come, ba- come back come in about eat. ten people. If you got to go yeah. take a whiz, you got <laughs> to yeah. swap the clothes out of the laundry. You got to bathe the dog. Whatever, uh, uh, do, whatever. Do your bills. Whatever you have to do for the next five minutes. Whatever NPR is going to. Whenever NPR is going <laughs> to broadcast something, the next story is controversial. They'll say the next story lasts six minutes and thirty six seconds. If you'd like to turn away. <laughs> so. This is for our uh, Patreons. <laughs> if you pay for you know, us, we will give you the episode with this part cut out. Could you, right. ma- could you imagine what kind of garbage we'd have between a, behind a paywall? they <laughs> <laughs> like, I paid $7 for this. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I've completely forgotten. So, Something about television. Yeah, so home theaters, <laughs> I agree. So uh, as we're going to discuss now, I have actually been, as it turns out, to a lot of movies in the last 12 months at the theater. And overall, I would rate my experience as a like C minus. It has been way worse than before COVID. We see a lot of news media stories about people on airplanes being behaved badly, and we see a lot of people just being rude in public. My experience at the theater has been there's a lot more talking. There's a lot more people just on their phones the whole time doing obnoxious behaviors. You know, there's just other little annoyances that it just gets to me. In the before times, I would always go to this franchise, which I've talked about often, which is the Alamo Draft House, where they take it seriously. They'll kick people out for doing stupid stuff. Right. Love it. I've recently moved to a place where they don't have that, and I'm really sad. What I've done to compensate for that, because if I'm going to see what I would call, quote unquote, bad quality of the film, I'd rather have some novelty to it. So we've been doing the drive-in theater a lot lately. Mm. It's all the problems of a normal theater, but it's also like, right? But it, also, but, it ha- but it has the like, it, the compensation value is that you're doing something different and it feels like an event, right? So I no longer see, f- so if I want to see a film film, like I wouldn't see Oppenheimer at the drive-in, right? But because it, I, demands, uh, your, it demands more attention tr- than, than it, you can it, do at the drive-in. And it's worth more high quality filming and, you know, high quality screen, et cetera. If and I it'll that, drain your battery for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going to do something like that, I probably would do it in my home theater because I can create the best in, the actual best environment for a very good movie lovers movie night. Right. And where I live, cause I can't get to an Alamo draft house or someplace right. like an art well, house theater. 
so but for fun films, I just go to the drive-in now, and I and it's been a that's been a huge game changer for us because it's a lot more fun, and I'm not so stressed about like, you know, the guy in the front row with his phone on look, looking at Wayfair the entire two hours. That, that, that's I think that this brings up yeah a, a very interesting point that both you and Josh have kind of brought in is that the modern theater goer there is a sense of an event to it or something else to it. You know, I think right. uh, the, the prequel star Wars, I think yeah. have a lot yeah. to, to do with that. The mainstreaming, the concept of, you know, going in costume. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 and waiting in line for tickets for, for midnight release. Like, like yeah. now we take for granted the, the Thursday night previews and stuff like that. Right. And, but that was, but I mean, you look back at it, you know, after that, you know, Harry Potter, Mm-hmm. Yeah, people yeah. showing up and you know, the Marvel films and stuff like that, you know, and even before the Marvel, some of the X Men films they would do yeah. that for the the Fox releases. So uh, I think that is one big aspect of it that you can't replicate at home is going out with your friends dressed, yeah, right? And, yeah, well, and it being a big event. So, so I have two observations. Like I have only been to two films uh, this year in the theater. And, and that's less, that's just mostly because of, you know, life. You, life. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to, uh, yeah. but I want to see Oppenheimer. I don't have the, the three and a half, four hours that I right. need to carve out <laughs> to yeah. see it. Well, so I, I've noticed post COVID and we've talked about this offline. People seem to have forgotten how to act in public. Yeah, I think just just as a general rule. So so there is a bit of that. I haven't haven't experienced enough for it to be really. Um, I, I think concerning that's not me. really something that we can blame on COVID. I think COVID just makes it more apparent. When maybe, we were, maybe a, so, yeah. Because things were I, getting I bad you, beforehand. That's true. Yeah, too. yeah. And, and a lot of it is cell phone usage. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I, yeah. I don't want to sound like fogey, but. You know, when, when cell phones first came out, you still, if you wanted to have a private conversation, you would go off somewhere. <laughs> Get up and leave. To where right. no one could hear you. And yeah. that, people don't care. Yeah. You know, people have got it, <laughs> the phone held out in front of them, everything on speaker, and you yeah. can hear what all the terrible things going on in their lives. Indeed. <laughs> but uh, the, the the bright thing to me, and it, it kind of, I kind of liken it to, to like concerts and stuff yeah. that to me, being in a crowd, like just the shared experience, there's something that you can't replicate at home. That that is the thing you cannot rep- and there you know, and there is a lot of like, you know, it's like ticket prices are getting high and mm-hmm. popcorn costs too much and people are talking, but like when a movie captures you and everyone's either laughing together or even completely silent. like the, and not to sound all hippy dippy, but you know, like we're, we've talked about this for too, but like, like there is an energy yeah. to being with other people versus even just sitting at home with like, like your friends and stuff. There's a, that's a different kind of energy in the room that, that is, it's just impossible to replicate like, we're all when a, a group of strangers time. starts yeah. laughing at the same thing. Same thing. Yeah, at. And, and that's probably the key that it is strangers reacting the same is like automatically you feel connection to to all these people. It's like it it really lends itself to a more um, 
heightened or uh, I mean I don't want to say like spiritual or anything, but there it is a is, bit like a church. Yeah, I mean there's there, a, yeah there's some there's something more. It's so, just like when you like going to a concert or seeing uh, like a, a, a sports ball in yeah. life. <laughs> People so like the, to see the, sports ball. The way I replicate that now because movies are so frustrating to me. The the <laughs> last the last sacred space for this that I have found other than like church is live theater mm-hmm. is, is people were, people are still knock on wood kind enough to not talk and or get on their phone in a live theater situation. You know, it was, it's interesting that you say that, that I've pro- I've been to probably as many um, theater performances. We're, we're blessed to have like a couple of really good uh, local theaters like yeah. there was like three of them, and uh, like we just went and saw nine to five last weekend, and it was it was pretty decent. So you know, obviously it's yeah. not Broadway productions, but you right. know, <laughs> I, but the whole time I was thinking, I love I love the theater, I love yeah. movies, and I also do love the theater because right. there is something like there's something magical that's happening. It's a shared experience, and then yeah. like I just there's something cool about like local theaters, like. And, and it's, it's earnest. Sound, it, yes, it's going to sound bad. It, yeah. It's like it's like watching like an Ed Wood film or something. Yeah. Like, like like it's not. Yeah. And not saying that it's bad, but there is yeah. just like this absolute like like these people could be doing anything else, you yeah. know. They're but they're like they're not getting paid. They're not. They're there for the love of the art, and they're yeah. they're giving it their all. And even if it's not, you know. Broadway performance level, like you're, it's not somebody, you're not going to find somebody phoning it in. Right. You know, they're very, there's a charming earnestness to it. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. And and some of the productions are, are, are pretty good. Like we saw a couple of years ago, pre pandemic, uh, they put on young, young Frankenstein and I would, it was, you know, off Broadway quality. It was, (laughs) you know, I mean, I mean, like it was, I know what you mean. Yeah. It was very, professionally done and um like i like i was just just in all the whole time i was like wow these these people are bringing the thunder <laughs> i saw i saw a production of 12 angry men on stage once not right before covid and uh that, again we used to, uh, when we lived in uh, the dc area we used to do the folger theater had free shakespeare tickets every september mm-hmm. and we would go see like othello or whatever and they would have broadway level actors when we saw othello it was uh the bad guy from the 2009 star trek movie i forgot the benedict when the con (laughs) but it was that it was that actor who played othello on the stage benedict cumberbatch no not benedict cumberbatch the other one the he was the romulan do you remember the 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 giant Romulan ship that comes through the yeah, vortex. Oh, the Incredible Hulk, the original movie one. <laughs> was that Tom Hardy, or am I yeah, thinking no. of Nemesis? <laughs> the, the star, the Star Trek with uh, Chris Pine, and it had the giant. Anyway, it was that guy. That guy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Cut all that. The point is, no, is that, we'll yeah. keep that in. <laughs> the point is, that is guy, that, I know for a fact that that guy listens to the show. Yes, and this <laughs> is gonna this what, is gonna what's hurt his, him. What's his name? <laughs> what's his name then? <laughs> We just call him Bill. Okay. Because he's top Bill in our uh, in our <laughs> world. <laughs> well, anyway, point is, is, yes. So to get that experience, live theater for me, because film has been too, it's been rattled too much to, to be able to. Now, look, there are houses that have film for film buffs. And honestly, I, th- I hope, 
I, I desperately hope that this trend of being serious about kicking people out of movies for being on your phone. I love that. <laughs> like if, uh, if someone's on their phone, we're going to, you know, go get an usher and we will give them one warning. And then on the second shot, they're out. Like that's it. And done. Cause I don't want to watch you watch your phone. Cause I've got this big bright white box in the bottom of my peripheral vision. It's just, it just it's one of those, I'm easy to get along with, but that is one of my huge pet peeves that I just cannot stand. Are you sure about that? Oh, yeah. Are you? <laughs> We're your co-host and it's like tolerate right. comes I up a hard, lot. In, I am in, hard to get along with and that is something that <laughs> – I would say your stance on movie theaters is one of those things that's hard to get along with. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to publicly apologize to Eric Banna for Adam and Josh not knowing his name. Bill Banna. <laughs> what is this guy's name? Hold on. He, he was a somebody for it's a while too. That's not who yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, of. so that's where your Incredible Hulk thing came from. That's yeah, not who well, I'm that wasn't just that wasn't just random. He was no. literally the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> for those of you playing at home, I'm <laughs> I'm ten minutes behind. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, though, uh, another aspect I think Josh kind of pointed out about the popularity of the movie theater experience right now is I mean, you look at the, the two big ones we've mentioned so far, Barbary and Oppenheimer. And like you said, you know, Greta Gerwig's got a, a very strong independent film track record and, and, you know, fan base. But, you know, Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. I mean, that dude... You know, people people take pot shots of him and, and you know make fun of his films sometimes, but he's still one of the the biggest directors in the industry right now. Like everything he's done yeah. is just you know, yeah, he's huge. I, I I've never really heard anybody talk bad about him as a filmmaker. Um, he seems Man, to be I, like somebody yeah. that just knocks it out of the park every time. So, and but unlike like you know. Was Mr. Explosion? Um, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Yeah, I was gonna say Michael Mann, but I was like, nobody's <laughs> gonna talk back about Michael Mann. Uh, <laughs> I would say this is the episode that we keep forgetting people's names, but that's essentially every episode. Yeah. yeah. So just, just uh, so but like anyway, the like, straight, like, like <laughs> Michael Bay is not even people that like his films. Like, yeah, it, he doesn't he doesn't have the gravitas. Um, yeah. You know, I think we've it, we've talked about this before, though. I think Michael Bay understands who he's making films for. Sure. Right. right. And, and, and he's, not, he's not, making it not just for them, but he's also cooling on them. That's not to say and, he couldn't and, and, and I'm not, and I'm, honestly, I'm honestly yeah. not disparaging Michael Mann at all. Because for Michael to, Bay. To, and, <laughs> Michael Bay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to, in fact, we I, I think we probably need him more now than ever. <laughs> yeah, to, save us, to, Michael to, Bay. Um, yeah. yeah. That is how Someone bad it's Michael gotten. Bay signal. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Michael Bay light up into the clouds. Uh, it's like we're going to sit in front of the cinema and say, I, you know, I said a lot about Pearl Harbor. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I, it was I, correct, I, but still. Yeah, it was all correct, but I really should have just kept my mouth shut and let you make the movies <laughs> that people go and see. I, so that was on me. <laughs> <laughs> you single-handedly destroyed the movie industry, and that's 
We killed Josh Hartnell's uh, <laughs> career <laughs> and the movies in one fell swoop. Sadness ensued. <laughs> so yeah, so let's let's talk about uh, Adam's been to the movies a lot. Uh, I've I have. only been to a couple, and and Jason said he's only been to a movie <laughs> in the theater this year. So it's let's, been a difficult year. Let's just say that. it has been for, for time, you know. <laughs> So what I'm hearing is that I'm the only true, real movie lover in, uh, in the group of movie podcasters in this podcast. I because we've it, seen the movies you've watched. <laughs> <laughs> and his, so that, his AOL <laughs> chat account was MovieLover69. <laughs> <laughs> back, in, back in the AOL chat room days. <laughs> lover, spilled with a, a, a heart sign in the middle of it. Um, during the COVID years, we were very, very locked down for a variety of reasons. But you know, the military did, usually was had nothing to do with COVID. House arrest COVID house arrest court order. It's all the same, really. It's they um, found those connections with Omar Gaddafi, and it, I just, yeah. they wouldn't let me go anywhere. It was actually a pretty good timing wise because my ankle monitor would have kept me at home anyway. So it was. <laughs> Um, it was almost pointless. <laughs> yeah, I missed. I did miss going to the movies, and that was a big, you know, part of the reasons that w- I wanted to do this podcast with you guys is because I am, I love movies. I love going to the theater. I love doing that. So now that things have, you know, we watch the numbers still because we have health stuff in the family, but it is that experience that I just, I love. And it's weird. I, I used to want, I had this dream when I was like, when I worked at the movie theater, my favorite thing to do was whenever we would screen a film and it was like the theater was empty. Like we'd play mm-hmm. them. We, you had to play them on the scale. You had your contractually obligated to play the film, whether anybody buys a ticket or not. Right. And so the movies oftentimes in like matinees on like a Wednesday at four, there's literally no one in the theater. And so if you, if it was your day off, you could just come in and watch them for free. I loved back then to just sit in an empty theater and watch movies. But now it's kind of weird. Like I, I, I need other people to kind of play off the jokes and whatever, and mm-hmm. to have the same joy. It is so. I now bring family. Like I, I manufacture. And for the alibi. And the alibi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the first time we've made that joke on this podcast. <laughs> it won't be the last. He got caught in a movie theater, man. He was yeah. he was the Pee Wee Herman of his day. That's what I was about to say. Paul Rubens, rest his soul. <laughs> you were doing what in the where? <laughs> I've made the time to go out and do this. Yeah. And, I, th- and that's, I think you know. studios are also realizing like, so the it's becoming more apparent that the streaming game is been, a been a house of cards yeah. for, for a long time and is, is not really been generating the cash flow. It's finally starting to dawn on them. And, and of course the strikes are going to keep, Things are going, but it's like, you know, it's such a, it's a a whole industry. So it takes a long time to shift, you know, everything shifts to streaming. And then they're like, oh, we're not making the money we thought we would. Let's shift back to, and, and, you know, and COVID just helped that out. But now they're like, well, we need to get in the theaters because we're not making, we're not making the money. But then they're also starting to realize like, hey, like we can't spend $250 million on every movie. It's, (laughs) 
<laughs> also true. This. Yeah. And, we, and, we'll, and we'll talk about that when we talk about box office numbers. Okay. I have to point out because I, I read something and it just kind of it was like a slap in the face when I read it because they're talking about like Oppenheimer was a moderately budget film of about a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's right. yeah. That's that's a sad truth. But uh inflation, man. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers, man. The uh Could you imagine giving uh like DW Griffith a hundred million (laughs) dollars? Or or like or Hitchcock. So many racist films. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna make the most racist film ever. (laughs) A hundred million times. It's gonna be Song of the South meets Gone with the Wind. <laughs> it is going to be so good that even though people know it's racist, they're going to have they're going to, to still they're still going to have to watch it. It's, I want to be the Lenny Reffenshaw before Lenny Reffenshaw. <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day, and they made an interesting. You remember how whenever the iTunes model of music, where it was like ninety nine cents a song, remember that, <laughs> and I am they're, old enough to remember that. Yes. Yeah. So their suggest, so their thought was how much, how much would you pay on a per movie and or per episode basis to stream at the rate you're streaming now? Like if it was a nickel a, a nickel a show, like would you do it? And I was like, actually, that's probably like if they just consolidated everything, mm-hmm. so it was like like one portal, like your TV is your portal, and you paid per view. And it was something reasonable, like a, a penny an episode or a nickel a movie or something like that. They'd probably make more money in the long run, but you wouldn't be – and I would do that. Like I, if I wanted to seek out a specific thing rather than having – but they won't ever do that because they need that – the the revenue model is the subscription, right? They need that. Right. You know. Uh, but well, I, even to to rent a movie – yeah. Like I look at some of the Amazon, and some was like nineteen bucks it's to like, rent. I, yeah, I could go to the theater for that. Right, right. Yeah. That's I, I would say the sweet spot for me for for purchasing something for rental. Yeah, is about five dollars. That's the um, amount, that's the most out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, old day like, Yeah, yeah. We were um, we couldn't find uh, like Poltergeist wouldn't stream. I wanted the kid. I wanted to show the kids Poltergeist, yeah. and. Um, it's like, oh, it's four ninety nine. Okay, yeah. I'll just rent it. Like, you yeah. know, like, that's, yeah. But if well, it was nineteen dollars, I've been like, guess what, kids? I'll sit in front of the TV and I'll tell you what happened. The story of the sit gather around the fire while I while I retail the tell I'm the just tale. Gonna flash this really bright flashlight in your face <laughs> on and off real quick to simulate the film. They're here. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is actually better than the movie because you get my commentary as well. <laughs> this is like the annotated movie. This is like this, this, this is the was director's rated cut. PG. <laughs> the dude's this face was melting off. Like an evil ant and tried to eat the kid. Those, those were real skeletons. <laughs> for, so those for, they got anyway. They were for our Halloween episode <laughs> this year, we should do a reenactment of the poltergeist. The three of us, <laughs> like like old time radio shows, <laughs> dude. That might actually be pretty awesome for Halloween to do an old time radio show. We can all talk with uh, the that the that titty, fake, like yeah, yeah, that that Fraser voice. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so Jason, you went and saw a movie. What'd you go see? 
Uh, I went and saw Blue Beetle because uh, Oppenheimer didn't start till nine o'clock at night and it's a three hour movie. So, and, and you're over the age of 30, so you got to get in bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if I don't want to, that's when the medications kick in. There was a, there was a, they got movies at nine o'clock now? There was a, a band playing at a, at the nearest city to me, and they went on stage at 11. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. Nope, nope. Too old for that. That's right. <laughs> you know when you say they go on stage at 11, it's right. actually closer to 12, 12. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Jason and I went to Dragon Con several years ago, and um, like I, I really wanted to see Cybertronic Spree. Uh, they dress up. They dress yeah. up like like Transformers and play Transformers the movie music, and they're awesome. I was super stoked. They got went on at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Chase is like, "You, we ain't going." I was like, "Yeah, we are." He's like, "We yeah. ain't going." We were in bed at ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I believe my exact words is like, "You're not gonna make it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll be up there. Sure enough, like like eleven thirty came around. It's like, you want to get an Uber to go back to the room? <laughs> But anyway, Blue Beetle. Excuse me, Mr. Reyes. You finished scraping the gum off that lounger or what? I... Everything right now feels so out of reach. You always land on your feet, bro. You're hymen. They don't get out much. <laughs> I just want to rap. Jenny? I just want to rap. Garth, I bet you life. But do not open it. You went in to get a shops, and all you brought back was a hamburger? Okay, I don't think it's a burger. You haven't looked? What the hell is that? How did you get it to do that? I think he likes me. He's on your back! Get it off! Get it off! Hey, What the? Host acquired. Who said that? It's okay, it's gonna be okay! Oh, my space. Free entry systems ready. Wait, 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 no, no! This ain't what you want. This ain't what you want. This ain't what you want. Makes you weak. I just wanna rap. Won't kill my dogs, stand on my money, don't know my side. The universe has sent you a gift, and you have to figure out what you're gonna do with it. That's my heart. One, two, three, four, five, five. Whatever you can imagine, I can create. Let's party. Oh, yeah! Nice choice. I just wanna rap. It's like Batman stuff. Batman's a fascist. I just want to rap. 
this was a fun film for me. I, I really did enjoy. You're it. a big you're a big DC comic guy. So yeah, I'm a I'm a comic book guy. Period. I just uh, I, I'm not one of those that splits between you know, like Marvel and DC. I, I pretty much like everything. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and this is a lot of new Fifty Two stuff. Uh, you know the kind of reboot they did a little over a decade ago, or not reboot, but refresh the entire DC line. And so uh, it's a new, younger Blue Beetle. Jaime Reyes is the character. They take him from El Paso, where he is in the comics, and move him to a fictional city. What I like about this movie is not only does it have some deep dives into comic book lore, because uh, Blue Beetle does have a pretty long history, going back to the Golden Age, but also this is a movie that it leans into the fact that this is a fictional universe, and it... it it goes full on in it and it wears its influences on its sleeve. Like there is bits of like cyberpunk in there. There is a great deal of like Japanese, like kind of uh, Ultraman and Power Rangers. Oh, that's cool. You know, imagery. The main villain at the end, they straight up lifted the design from Disney's Black Hole. Oh, yeah, it's, it it's Maximilian's. Yes, it's Maximilian. Oh. And they don't hide it. They even do the little freaking, you know, turning blade hand thing on it. <laughs> so everybody around Josh and my age group that saw that, yeah, I know you're having flashbacks now. If you're <laughs> to like, this is a Disney movie? Yeah. So, Maximilian yeah. is a good one to crib because he is, yes. he is, he is top tier terrifying robots. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of it. It's a fun movie. Uh, it does have some social commentary in it. But what I love about it is, like, it doesn't linger on it a lot. Like, it just kind of comes in and hits it and goes. Like, one of the first lines that Jaime has is, you know, the, the story is he's coming back from graduating from college. He's getting his undergraduate degree. And he's being picked up at the airport. He's on the escalator going down. He puts on his graduation cap and turns and looks at the guy behind him. He's like, how do I look? And the guy looks at him and says, like, you're six figures in debt. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's essentially how they they tackle a lot of the social commentary. And they're just real quick, fast, you know, joke. It, here it is. Let's move on. Like, it doesn't really kind of linger on things. I think that works very well. But yeah, fun movie. I enjoyed it. There were only like three or four other people in the movie theater with me because it was yeah. like the middle of the week. Uh, but everybody seemed to enjoy it. Had a good time. This is a lot like the Shazam movies for me, which were mm -hmm. like when DC was like, okay, we we need to get away from the dark and gritty Snyderverse stuff. We need to have fun with this. And there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of fun to it, but there's also a story of family, like that you don't really get in Marvel a lot because it's a supportive family that's always there for the characters, right? And I think that's a real great aspect of it as well. Uh, he has, you know, he isn't keeping any secrets from his family about what's happening to him. They're there with him on the journey. They're oh, there to help him. What is he talking about? He's talking about this. Oh, I forgot how bad it looks. I've seen worse. Where? You don't want to know. Okay, what the hell is this thing? It's it's called the Scarab. It was given to my dad when I was a kid. Um, it's some kind of a world-destroying weapon. Oh, that's nice. Oh, nice. It says... Uh, what? 
And did you know what was going to happen to my brother when you stuck him with this world-destroying thing? No, I swear to you, I had no idea this would happen. Oh, I mean, come on. My father said it can't be activated by just any person. He has to choose you. So I'm guessing it's chosen you. And like I said, you get into a lot of the the old lore, a lot of, you know, the old Blue Beetle in there. So there's a, a nice retro kind of like Miami Vice hmm. looks to some of the stuff when they find some of the older, like, Ted Cord Blue Beetle stuff. And uh, there's a, a very nice retro, almost kind of Blade Runner uh, musical score to it. Electronic sense and everything that goes through it. So it's it's a fun movie. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, watch it. DC, I think, has had a problem, especially lately, with everyone understanding that pretty much the Snyderverse and everything that was attached to it is dying. Like, it's, right. it's all over. And I think they've had trouble with people wanting to go to the theater now to watch movies that they don't feel are going to connect to anything else because Marvel, I think, has kind of prepped everybody. Right. Well, and I think to, there's to be also... Plugged into that. So it's almost like the opposite of the Barbenheimer effect that the that the the memes are aimed towards uh, discouraging yeah. going to the theater and and it's been pretty pretty effective and I would say that it's such a strange thing but you know I, I guess it's like everything in life that that a small group can can really alter for good or ill like the uh, the the cultural zeitgeist uh and unfortunately like in internet culture that whether you want to participate in in it or not you're kind of a part of by default um can there there's there's a lot of people and a lot of it you know i've talked about this in the in the off week stuff that there's just like there's literally a cottage rage industry, and you know, and we we talk crap Says about the man movies who for the longest time had a hate right. box. Right, <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing we we talk crap about movies that yeah. based on their merits, but like, let's there face people it, we're, just, we're, yeah. we don't profit off of <laughs> off no. of my off of my hate. There that's are people true. that have become that like if they quit hating on things, the, they, that's their they have financial interest. Like like yeah. I don't get paid for this. Whether or not you like my opinion or not, right? So, so that that's the different. That, that's what keeps us honest. Is that it's like politics, you know. I will say that those, those involved, Warner Brothers there. checks have been nice, though, that we've been getting. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, I've said too much. I love, I love DC films. <laughs> yeah. Gun is going to take it to the top. <laughs> but this uh, is starring uh, Cholo Amaran. Duena, I, uh, I'm hoping I'm not murdering his name, though I probably am. Uh, who is, you know, of course, known for the Cobra Kai TV mm-hmm. series, and he is uh, uh, he's freaking so good in that show. And he's he's great in this. He plays Jaime, and he 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 gets to to karate kids it up. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he's, he's he's got the he's got the goods. He's got charisma. He's got riz, as the kids say, <laughs> which I just recently, I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. that's short for charisma. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it, I was like, what is this word? <laughs> so like, now that I know what it means, no one will use it anymore. That's right. It's done. I, it's- I, 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 riz is dead right now yeah, because exactly. it's like, it's like, uh, it's like hey, kids, measuring an electron. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I observed it. So it's like changed. <laughs> 
Well, it's the uh, Abe Simpson. That's right. That's right. Cool, of cool. I used to know what it was. <laughs> God, that that went from being hilarious to like, like the day the Too day close. you lose it, you're like, yeah. oh my God, like I. I Onions were the style at the time. <laughs> well, I had, a, as I was saying, I was walking down the street with my discman in my pocket of my Jinkos, <laughs> which was the style at the time. <laughs> well, since, since you mentioned the uh, the uh, superhero film, I wanted to talk about. I, I've seen uh, three films. Uh, one of them I've already talked about on the off week, and that was The Little Mermaid, if you want to hear my thoughts on that, which are, like, so awesome and, like, insightful, pretty <laughs> much, like, top-tier uh, dissection of Disney. Um, not really. But at least it's not hate, you know. But ultimately, my opinion was, like, that eh, was okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, say, I'll save you 12 minutes. It was all right. Uh, <laughs> see it with but, a kid, you know. <laughs> yeah, so so the night I was supposed to go see Barbie, I got I was getting told I couldn't go. So my youngest daughter and I, and her under protest, uh, went and saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. We have a very important mission for tonight. We must use stealth and cunning to infiltrate the human world and retrieve Goku. Ooh, okay, Batman. Dude, what? I'm just trying to hype you guys up. Let's go! From Seth Rogen comes a movie that crushes for absolutely every age. Amazing. Insane. All right, tell me more. It's effortlessly cool and visually stunning. It's the most fun you'll have at the movies this year. seems very dangerous. You eat danger for breakfast. Actually, I eat pizza with bits of waffles on it. With the funniest cast ever assembled. Surprise! Yes, bro! Oh, I get it. Enough! Oh, man. You can't stop us. Lock and look. We're the only ones who can do this. I'm awesome. We're brothers. We fight together. We're just getting started. Yeah, she sounded like a leader. I do? Oh, I do! Oh, I sound like such a leader. And you ruined it. Ninja Turtles. I almost went and saw that one, too. I've, I've, I've read a lot of good stuff about it I've online. i good things, too. And it looks good. Here is uh, the art style is, is just amazing. It's just so cool. But, um... So I can understand why the hardcores would not like it because the same way that like there are people about that are about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that are like I am on Star Trek and Star Wars, you know, and like mm-hmm. little infractions on canon like drive me nuts and like, you know, it makes it hard for me to like the newer Star Trek stuff or whatever. So I'm not going to fault anybody that's like, you know, I I've been collecting the the comics since before like like I grew up and I was I saw the cartoon so mm-hmm. like that you know and I have seen a little bit of the other iterations the, the 1990 or 91 film was a big deal to me but I would say I'm a casual 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a hardcore TMNT. I played the role playing game, which was really cool. Um, I played the SNES game. Yeah, well, that was not. Oh cool. uh, yeah, the arcade game was really so. Yeah. So that being said, the the there is changes to the turtle's origin and to Splinter's origin and stuff like that. So I could see how that could like weird people. And then there's the hate mongers that are like, Oh, April O'Neil is like, you know, her character design is radically different, but what would the good thing about this is like, and, and another thing, reason why I'm totally fine with adaptation is that they're actual teenagers in this, like they act like teenagers. Uh, one of them has braces and stuff. You know, they're like really, they, their ultimate goal in life is to be accepted enough to go to high school. That's like, that's their turtle ambition is to not be <laughs> freaks and to go to high school like normal teenagers, which I thought April O'Neil not being like, let's face it, sexualized. I'm a hundred percent fine with because she is a teenager in this, right? We don't need to have. Uh, a black widow looking silhouette on, on a character that is in high school. Uh, so the film is amazing from start to finish. It was a laugh riot. It was, it was heartwarming. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. My daughter who did not want to, to see it, um, loved it was just, it's, um, it's so good. And it, it does the things that it does different are justified, I think, to tell a really good story. Seth Rogen uh, produced it; he knocked it out of the park. Paul Rudd plays uh, Mondo, was it Mondo Gecko or something? <laughs> and, uh, and he's it's just I mean it's just Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd, which is hilarious. Uh, and in the credits, the funniest thing is says it says and introducing Paul Rudd is like Mondo Gecko. <laughs> Who's this young whippersnapper? He's going yeah, places. So, I bet. Um, you know, that's just Seth Rogen, just like you know, just taking a jab at him. Yeah. But uh, a friend of mine took his daughter too, and uh, and we were like laughing probably the hardest in the theater. It was just. It was really good. The uh, voice, ca- the voice acting was great. The animation worked really well for the story that they were telling. I really um, like the preview. And the, the, is it consistent with the preview? The it's not one of those bait and switch things where they have like one style animation in the preview. And then they just no, no, no. It's it's okay. it's it's it's, a, it's really. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, I know enough to know that I was like, that's not how the turtles were made. That's not mm-hmm. how Splinter was made, but I didn't care. They, uh, Jackie Chan plays Splinter. Oh, that's um, great. Okay. I'll, I'll do a little spoiler. There's a, like, Splinter learns ninjutsu from watching YouTube videos <laughs> and teaching the turtles. And it's like, I mean... It's hilarious. He's watching like the uh, like the 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 ninja chop guy and stuff, <laughs> and that's how he that's how he learns. But like his whole his whole like reason for teaching them karate and keeping them is 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 different. But it's like it makes sense, you know. He wants to protect right. them from a world that like if they saw a turtle person, they'd think it was a monster and try to kill it because. That's what would happen <laughs> if a turtle, if a turtle monster crawled out of the sewer in New York City. It would not last very long. So, um, 
maybe you could finish explaining like exactly where you came from and, and what you want and stuff. What do I want? Oh, easy. Acceptance. No way, man. Yeah, we want like that, that too. Yeah. Let me go back to the start. My earliest memory in the world is my dad telling me that he never was accepted. He just wanted a family, man. That's why he created us. But then, that's when the people he worked for sent the obstacle. They took it from him. I rescued my little baby brother and sister. And since I was the oldest, you know, I had to raise them. He did a great job. He did. Well, very well adjusted. Anyway, we thought these humans, yeah, they murdered our dad. But maybe, maybe they just ain't all bad, you know? We went out, we hit the town. And it didn't go well. Especially this one dude, man. He wouldn't stop chasing us. He wanted to kill us. Oh my God, that, that's what happened to us. That's why our dad made us live in the sewer our whole lives. Well, not me. That sound like a punk choice. You know what I did? I beat that fool down. I touched that chin. Molly whopped to an inch of his life. And then I knew what to do. I decided to kill all the humans and let the mutants rule the earth. That, that's a take. All right, so what what about you, Mr. Adam? What have, You've seen, like, every major film that's been released this year. Well, except for all the ones that are really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Uh, well, before I get started, so I completely hosed up the Star Trek reference earlier. What I meant to say was he was the captain. He was the captain that got, at the beginning of the movie, got brought over to the Romulan ship. The, the, his name is Captain Robbo. You know who I'm talking His about? His real name? No, and the show. He was the captain of the Kelvin in the beginning of the movie, and he goes over on the shuttlecraft, and they zap him right off the bat. It's played by Far- Far- Farron Tahir is the actor's name, so I want to give him credit, like because he does listen, obviously. <laughs> so that's important. Um, anyway, that's what I was and trying that to dude, say. And that dude is like one of my best friends. Yes. <laughs> and, and, but – all kidding aside, he was a phenomenal actor in Othello, and seeing him in person on stage was an experience that I thought was really cool. So, uh, what movie to start with? You know what was a surprisingly good movie? Uh, so, we saw this one at the drive-in. was the Mission Impossible. Our lives are the sum of our choices. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is going to cost you dearly. The world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. It's been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. 
Ethan. What's your objective? What's your ultimate objective? Your life will always matter more to me than my own. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. Dead Reckoning, the newest one that came out, is, it ends on a cliffhanger. It's called Part One, obviously for reasons, but because it, that that uh, denotes that there may be a part two. There may be. They've already filmed it, apparently. So hopefully they'll actually release it with the strike and whatnot. But I would just read that they did like Mel Brooks did with History of the World Part One <laughs> and just leave it. <laughs> or, except, or, except, <laughs> yeah. And then they and then they yeah came back and, and then somebody came up with a. Huge check for him That's 40 right. years later. <laughs> or they could do like George Lucas and start with part four, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyway, so, so, yeah. so the Mission Impossible. So, you know, uh, this – so the Mission Impossible movies are – Movies. Everybody – Not my cup know, of tea, but, but I appreciate them for what they are. That's what – so they're not they're, – they're in a good sweet spot. Here's why they, they have a special spot in our house. There's a, they are not overly violent. So there is and violent, they're Scientologists, but they're they're not overly violent. They're not, but they're not gory or bloody or. There's not shock violence in them, right? There's just like fighting. They're, yeah, right. They're they're yeah. they're almost like friendly. Yes. So like, action films. Uh, that's uh, and there's not a lot of like sex stuff in it or a lot of cussing. So like I think they're usually PG thirteen. I think my kid. You know, it was like ten when we watched the first one, and it's a good family night popcorn movie. And and there's like a thousand of them now, right? There's uh, there's a ton of these movies, so there's a lot of them, so that you can do it over a course of several. You know, it could you yeah. could do Mission Impossible movies for the whole year. Anyway, so there's a long history of us watching these movies. So I took my kid to see it at the drive-in, had a blast. One of the best nights out we've had in a long, long time. It was just a, it was nonstop action the whole movie. And it was just I enjoy. I actually had a really legit fun time watching it. It just I, I really recommend it. Like it, for a movie experience, and like there were some laughs in it, and the crowd laughed at the right time. You know, like it was just a great. It was it, it succeeded perfectly for what it was supposed to be. Now I've read reviews of it on in the critical sphere, and it's you know mediocre reviews or whatever. Um, and I think that deterred a lot of people from seeing it. Plus, it's not. It's not like a tentpole film, you know, and I think we were, you want to talk about blockbusters well, I think and it, whatever. It, it's but. interesting that that um, people go and see Tom Cruise films now, mm-hmm. and Cruise is disparaged a lot, but he, I won't say he has the most epic range, but to, no. to say he's not a good actor is, that's crap. That's, oh, you know, you, now you can say he does the same thing over and over again. That's fine. Uh, he does kind of have his, his niche, but he it ignores act. a lot of his earlier work too. Right, right. He, I, I would say that he is a, he is a, a very good actor. He loves movies. Like he loves the yeah. craft of movie making yeah. and he's crazy enough to, do stuff that other people won't which like he also understands 
Like, you go see Tom Cruise movies a lot of times, same reason you go see a Jackie Chan Jackie film. Chan film. Yeah. You're, like, you're like, he really no. did that. Like yeah, exactly. he really, he, that's he, he really that motorcycle did that. off that cliff. It was incredible. And, there, right? and there's something, but there's something <laughs> He's like flying his own jet. Yeah, right. There's something to that. You know, there yeah. really is something to like. Yeah, yeah, he's standing on the world's tallest building. And you're like, that's a that's actually a dude doing that that could die, and yeah. he didn't. Like the least I could do is pay. Seven Eight bucks, bucks to, or to watch it. Thirty three dollars these days, but yeah. Right. It's like, hey. <laughs> so you know, and he's got a and he's got a niche as like. There's not that many. Here's the other thing I would say that there's really not that many all action hero movie stars left. There's, I mean, there are there are you know you got Keanu Reeves who kind of has that mm-hmm. walk down. You got Tom Cruise, but there's 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 a dwindling number of you know a list action stars. That, yeah. that star in this well, kind of movie, and, you know and, what I mean. And he's been he's been dubbed off here lately as as like the last movie star, and and I don't think that's quite true, but there are certainly fewer like movie yeah. star. You know, there's there's yeah. Tom Cruise, there's Tom Hanks, there's Tom Hardy, there's Tom <laughs> Green. <laughs> There's Tom of Tom and Jerry. Who really, really should have won an Oscar. Uh, you know, Tom For Green. Freddie got fingered. <laughs> he should have won something. Underrated. Take it out yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you have to look at it that we've kind of watered down what celebrity is the past 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And, and again, then pesky phones. <laughs> well, yeah. YouTube, YouTube made it so that anybody can be a celebrity. That's the difference. Yeah. I think the issue with the Mission Impossible movies now is they're kind of they're kind of in the same place that the 007 James Bond movies were yeah. in by the mm-hmm. mid seventies and the eighties. Yeah. That it's essentially just stitching together a bunch of set pieces and yeah. you know stunts to to justify a film. Yeah, yeah, no, and, that's and, fair. and they but they've always kind of been in that. Realm. Yeah. They've never like this for for but spy you can see movies. The formula a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. For spy movies, they're not really huge on the spy part. Yeah, right. I couldn't tell you. The, honestly, I, I saw the movie. There's a MacGuffin of some kind, but I couldn't tell you. It is a, It's inconsequential to Jason's point. It really doesn't matter. All of this is is just a. How, we're going to have a fight on a train. We're going to have a fight on a motorbike. We're going to have a fight on you – know, it's all a setup. To, One know. of the things that I've seen, you know, talk about the train thing, like everybody I, – I know we'd spoken in a previous episode like that was a big thing that, you know, mm-hmm. who was it, the director, Steve McQueen? Mm-hmm. Or – yeah. And they, oh, I want to wreck a train. But even watching like the trailers – and see, like, Tom Cruise on top of the train and, like, moving his head to keep from getting it, like, knocked off. I was like, they they did that in the first Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, there's some callbacks, for sure, of all kinds. Of, I mean, like, I mean, there's only so many types of, like, practical stunts you can actually do, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, in the universe of film. <laughs> like... Uh, what else is there? I mean, he could skydive from a hot air balloon, I guess. Like, but wasn't there also like a, a helicopter? Yes. Like following the train? It's like it's yeah. literally the the set piece from the first John Reno was in the helicopter again. <laughs> <laughs> but he kept saying, that, this is for Matilda. 
<laughs> for two for two hours for an action flick with very low stakes, hundred percent succeeds. And I've I've you know we've mentioned a lot over the last two years, I guess. It's I don't know what the did you write the budget for that bad boy? I don't even remember what it was, but no, it you know it didn't do horribly. It probably made its budget back. Um, it made it made one hundred seventy million domestic. Uh, so I just put the domestic right? prices on yeah. here, but um, which is which is probably. It was probably a. Uh, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to talk out of my. Well, we'll look if they shot it simultaneously, that would probably get the budget down. Let's look it up. Two hundred ninety-one million dollar budget for both. All right. So I'm sure. I'm sure it made worldwide. It made. It made some money. Yeah. Made five twenty-three overall in the world. So, um, you know it. It's good. That's that's what I was. I want more movies like this. I want. I sure. want. I don't know why it cost them two hundred ninety million dollars to make it, but they, I mean, I do know why. Million went to uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're gonna uh, here's the here's the deal, guys. I got this idea for a movie. The whole movie well, is they me. actually had to build a train track to go <laughs> over like a in cliff. Switzerland. Yeah, for the train to go. I'm gonna ride a motorbike off a cliff. Okay, that's that's the whole premise. Is I'm gonna ride this motorbike off this cliff. I'm gonna do it nine times so we get the right <laughs> shot. Okay, and the best part is you're going to pay me 180 million dollars. That's <laughs> and the studio's like, we we love it. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about one more uh, film real quick, and then kind of use that as a guide into kind of. I, I want to go over like some of these numbers of of what's been making money and stuff, and what we think uh, the state of the theater is. But uh, so my favorite film I've seen this year is uh, Evil Dead Rise. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother. What is this, Danny? I found it. Don't let her take my babies. This what happened to Paul. It happened to us. This evil creates terror through total chaos. Meanie. Meanie. Miney. You. 
which was made for um, maybe fifty million, I think. It was not much, and it grossed sixty-seven million domestically. But I think it it, it came almost twice that uh, internationally. Big Sam Raimi fan. I recent I only recently saw the uh, twenty thirteen Evil Dead remake, which was actually really good. Evil Dead Rise was everything I wanted in an Evil Dead film. It, it may have been, like, people talked about how bloody it was, and I thought it was a little tame, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it was, because, uh, like, they were like, oh, my God, there's a scene with a cheese grater. And I was expecting, I was like, <laughs> I was, like, stealing my And it happened, and I was like, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, kids today, they don't know the, they don't know the gore. <laughs> Let me tell you so, a story about a little right. thing called the caterpillar. It's <laughs> right. So the the lots of practical effects. The performances were good. Lots of the callbacks to earlier films were fun. Uh, the the stuff the new stuff that they add in added in was was cool. Like this time, instead of like like they find the Necronomicon and all this stuff in this old bank vault because the the apartments they're living in used to be a bank, and they find these like records, and in the records are these priests translating the Book of the Dead, and that's how the uh, the spirits let loose. It's just like it's it's it was really cool, fun film. Took took some chances. Um, there were some some surprising deaths in it. Before this is, you know, it came out before Barbie and all this stuff, and it was it was one of the big winners of the year. And there's um, it's and we've and we've talked about this in the past that, that I think I think we're we're kind of going to enter a more uh, another golden age of, of horror films here soon because they're cheap to make and they make money. <laughs> And we're starting to see that because out of the, the top stuff that's that's come out this year, you've got Scream did really well, Megan did really well, Insidious did really well. I think Insidious was like super low budget of like twenty five to fifty million dollars, and it made it made a ton of money. Evil Dead made a lot of money, so just people love horror. People love horror movies, and thankfully they're. They're innovative. They're easy to make. They're they're easy to. I don't want to say they're easy to. Cause there's a lot of bad horror films out there. There's they're a lot easy of to market. Yeah, and there's a lot of room for creativity. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think some of like why they they do so well is because they are easy to market. It's like you just say scary movie, and like you're like, oh okay. Like, <laughs> I, I I understand the premise. I, I get it. Right. I, don't, I don't give a crap why it's scary or like <laughs> yes. what is it's, it's some kind of doll that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna tell me what's going on. Be it, be it ghost, be it monster. Right. Is, is, be it, is, is the house, Is the house scary or is it the people in the house that's scary? That's what I want to know. <laughs> So yeah, and uh, like the Insidious films are are pretty interesting because uh, I've always seen the first two, but they're really competently directed. The they're obviously uh, like you know I can watch it and say yeah this is this is didn't take a lot of money to make, but I think to the casual observer the um, the budget doesn't really show. Because you know it's it's like uh, like the film like the innkeepers or something like that like like a lot of horror films while they're cheap is like it's the good ones 
don't really have to show you a whole lot. It's a bunch of people talking about creepy stuff, and that's that's enough to set me off. But I saw a ghost. Oh my god! We got to pause it. It's, it's very actually, you know, good horror movies are very technically well done mm-hmm. because they have to get everything right. You have to get the cinematography right. You have to get the music right, the yeah. sound effects, and everything has to come together in a way so you don't have to spend money on a guy in a rubber suit or CGI or whatever. I recently read this article in, I think, Psychology Today about why horror movies, why the popularity of horror movies kinds of ebbs and flows. And uh, it made this theory that they tend to follow periods where there's something big in society happening that movies so there'll be a period where something traumatic in society happens and the horror movies will kind of fade away for a bit but then they immediately come back with a like a push and that's because uh it sucks to be afraid of something with real consequences Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a significant portion of the population that this that so it cited a study that basically said that people who watched horror movies during a stressful time of their life were actually more resilient to the real life stress because the horror movie kind of primed them in a safe space to figure out how to work through right. those emotions. Does yeah, that make sense? And, and we've, we've, we've talked about that on, on our and Scary movie bring up yeah. horror movies. Yeah, yeah. That, that there is, there's something cathartic about having a safe place to be scared yeah. about, um, uh, <laughs> figuring out how to pay the utility bill this month. Right. It's, <laughs> right. Or, or it's not, yeah, like, and it, it's also because it's happening to somebody else. It's also so, true. You yeah. know, so, somebody else is being murdered by, right. by a crazy <laughs> guy in a mask. It's like, yeah. At least it's not me under that cheese grater, right? That's <laughs> there, there's like the realistic horror and then like, like the strangers or, <laughs> or you know, um, funny games. And then there's like the supernatural horror. And people like, you're not universally affected by them. Like you can enjoy them all, right. but like, for me, like I can watch Halloween and it, you know it doesn't bother me. It scares my wife a lot more because she's like, "Well, that could really happen." And I'm like, right. "Yeah, you know." But then, like, uh, I get creeped out every time I watch uh, "In the Mouth of Madness," which, like, that probably is not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to altering demon. I'm not going to say it a hundred percent, but it's <laughs> probably not going to happen. But that'll like I'll be laying in bed and being like, man, what if everybody does start believing in Stephen King more than the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot to chew on. Um, so let's do quick takes on what do you think the health of the movie theater industry is, and uh, we'll close it out, Adam. <laughs> I think unless there's systemic changes, I think that in the next 15 to 20 years, there's not going to be anything close to resembling the movie theaters of today. I think this is just a blip. He's smiling as he does that because he knows he's full of crap as he says it. I really think that unless there's systemic changes, the current business model is unsustainable. I don't think they're going to be able to continue this. I think it's going to take the, the same path that local live theater took. Which is to say, it will still exist, but prior to the movie house, it was all there was. Like every town had a little theater, and you would go, you know, they would have shows just like whatever. I think that's the way movies are going to become. Is there's going to be like a movie theater in your town, 
and it's going to run movies for ages, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to have to be way cheaper and it's going to have to be either much higher quality or much lower quality to be sustainable price wise. And I, and knowing how the world tends to work, I think private equity is going to buy up all the movie theaters. They're going to crap them out, (laughs) you know, and they're just going to make them cheap and crappy to make them profitable. And that's, that's my theory. Okay. Jason. I think there's a a few things. One, I don't think it's ever really going to go away. It's going to be like vinyl. Mm -hmm. Like people are, Oh, records dead. CDs have taken over. And then, you know, people go like, you know, I kind of prefer (laughs) (laughs) records and everything. And so then the hipsters get a hold of it and then it, it makes a small comeback. Uh, but also I think there's something really big that I'm not surprised you haven't talked about this is that, you know, one of the big things that happened was back in the late forties. And we've talked about before on the show is the antitrust lawsuit that was brought against all the you know, big studios and everything. Cause they <laughs> owned their own theaters as well. It was a top right. down, you know, from production to distribution to exhibition Vertical integration is what they call it now. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, you know, that got hit with an antitrust lawsuit, but that's been rolled back now. Mm -hmm. It it opens it up. And one of the things that's happened recently that's kind of thrown that into a loop is, uh, of all people, Taylor Swift with her current heiress tour. She was wanting to, to release, you know, a film version of one of the performances. And she kept going to the the studios, the distributors, and she didn't like the deals they were doing, so she just went to AMC Theaters. To do a direct voice. And, and made a deal with them, and they're essentially distributing her movie to their theaters, but also there's a, a, another company coming in that's going to do distribution to other theaters. Huh. And so the exact opposite has happened now. <laughs> the theaters yeah. you know, are kind of getting into the, to the distribution aspect of it, and all the big studios and everything, they've been so wrapped up in streaming. They they haven't seen this coming. So I, I think that's going to kind of change the, the yeah. playing field, too. It, it, it's interesting that you bring up uh, Taylor Swift because I was, I was having a conversation just yesterday about um, – Everyone mean, was just having a conversation right. yesterday. Say, say what you will about her music, like I, whatever. But you can't deny that like she has some – incredible business acumen because Mm -hmm. like her just having the uh, having the weight and in the the stones to be like okay you won't sell me my my catalog i'll just re-record it like that's that's amazing yeah Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant and then and then to limit because she still had uh, could exercise a right of like what can be licensed for like movies and stuff, mm-hmm. so she denies all the old recordings the ability right. to be used for commercials and stuff, and the right. new recordings. It's like wow, like I, like it's it seems so such an easy thing, like such, but like, like most brilliant things, it's it's brilliantly simple, um, right. and you get because you got to think like of all these people like Michael Jackson and the Beatles and stuff that didn't own their own catalogs. And we're just robbed of, you know, billions of dollars. And she's like, I'll just re-record it. To hell with all you. <laughs> like, and but it comes out like even more popular. So like she's she's a force to be reckoned with. So it's it's interesting that like, like her, her take now on, she's taking on the on, movie industry. Yeah, like so and, to Jason's and, point. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. 
No, I understand. So she was also babysat Jeff Jarrett's kids. That's the the fun thing that I learned <laughs> this week. Sort it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I'm a fan so now. What if part of your Netflix subscription was that you get to go see Netflix movies at the Netflix theaters that Netflix builds? And uh, part of your Prime subscription is you get to go to the Amazon theater to see Amazon movies in theater. Like, do you think Don't that's give a path? Them ideas. I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> do you think that's a path that we're because I mean, there. I think I, they could. You know? I mean, that's a possibility that they could. That be a next tier thing. Yeah. For like you know when Netflix had both the streaming and still the mail. Yeah. Right. Aspect of it. That's that's definitely something they could do. It's like hey, for an extra. Five bucks a month, you get you know two or three passes to the Netflix theater to watch a, a Netflix movie. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I could see that. Not a bad, yeah. not a bad deal. We should call the mayor of Hollywood. <laughs> First, let's solve this strike issue, and then we'll get yeah, on. Yeah, that. we'll get that figured out. We got. Yeah, it's been going on long enough, boys. Let's get we, involved. What we do you have say? Our, we have our <laughs> top minds on it. <laughs> so uh, we need reference. to decide which side we're on. So if we want the writers to win, we need to start working for the studios. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Adam, if people, they've obviously found us. Just, yes. so they, know where, they know where to listen they've to us. They've stumbled into this terrible morass that yeah, is our yeah. show. <laughs> They call it a quagmire. (laughs) Um, How can people reach out to us to tell us how fantastic we are, how boring we are, or uh, leave us messages, all that uh, fun stuff? So the first thing they could do is they could email us at brickedpit at gmail.com. Or if they would like to find us on social media, we are on Facebook and the other thing. And <laughs> they could find us by searching for the Bricked Pit Podcast. If they wanted to, to leave us a voicemail, the best way to do that is on this obnoxiously long link where they could I find us at. Go, I think this is just like the Twitter X thing. You can still <laughs> use Anchor and go to where you need to go. So. If it still goes there, it's anchor.fm forward slash Brick Pit. But I think they prefer podcasters.spotify.com forward slash pod forward slash show forward slash Brick Pit. Which is where we get all our voicemails from. So it's very easy. Yes, like, <laughs> this is. It reminds me of that uh, the, when they changed the emergency the IT crowd. Yeah, the IT crowd. <laughs> yeah, it's very much that. So, in any case, right. until next time, we appreciate everyone listening, and this is the Brick Pit. <laughs>